I'm going to turn your attention to Daniel chapter 2 today. And last week we started a new series on the book of Daniel, attempting to attempting to go through the book of Daniel at this point, maybe chapter by chapter, and I'm going to spend all of our time today in Daniel chapter 2, and I'm not going to read all of it in your hearing, but uh, we'll read four verses in your hearing today. And then we will kind of extrapolate that from the rest of, of the chapter. If you could bring up verse number 20 there. The Bible says, Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. It is He who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and Knowledge to men of understanding. It is He who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with Him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you. For you have made known to us the King's matter. And so today I'm going to preach for just a little bit on... The future belongs to the Lord. The future belongs to the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated today. All of us, I would say, have dreams. Occasionally you will run into someone who doesn't have dreams, or at least they don't know that they have dreams. And whenever I dream, sometimes I will remember what I dreamed, and sometimes I don't remember it depends, I think, on whether or not I wake up in the middle of it and whether it's really vivid or not, or it's just kind of one of those dreams that take place. And so it kind of varies as to whether or not I even remember what I dreamed. A lot of times I will remember that I did dream, but by the ten minutes after I got up or get up, I have no idea what I dreamed. Anybody like that? That's me most of the time. Occasionally, though, I will have very vivid dreams and these vivid dreams will be so startling that it will just be impressed on my mind and dreams that I have never forgotten anybody have dreams like that that you wake up and it's and it's just so vivid and so real and you remember those years later well, our text has a dream in it and unfortunately for the person who dreams the dream he has a dream and he does not remember what he has dreamed he can't remember anything about the dream other than it was important and other than it, it, it made him feel a certain way and and he he had to know it made him uneasy because he knew it was important but he couldn't figure out what it was and he couldn't get the dream and so Nebuchadnezzar he seeks to have the wise men of his kingdom come and not just interpret the dream, but tell him what it is. Now, the problem with that is, and, and the reason he, he, he does this, he doesn't remember, they come to him and say, well, king, if you'll just tell us what the dream is, then we'll tell you what it means. 
but he's not a dumb guy. He knows that if he tells them the dream, they can just make something up. They can just make up an interpretation, and he won't really know whether it's the true interpretation of, or not, but since he doesn't remember, he can't tell them anyway. And so because of that, he gets angry, and he says, we're just going to kill all these people because they're not worth having. They don't know how to interpret my dream or tell me what it is, so let's just kill them all. Well, when Daniel hears about this, he says, well, let's just wait a minute. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about the fact that Daniel is, is taken into to captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, and he's put into the, the royal training program, and, and he's going to be, and he becomes one of the wise men of the kingdom. And the Bible says that because of God's favor and God's blessing, that, that he and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, were ten times wiser than all of the other men. But Daniel was given the ability to interpret dreams. The other three are, are wise men. They know and they have knowledge that God gives them, but they don't have the ability to interpret dreams. The Bible says that God gives Daniel this ability to interpret dreams. And so when Daniel hears about this, he says, wait, let's just wait and see what happens. He knows that his God knows all things. And so he beseeches God for this. Now, let me set the timeline for you on this particular event. Of course, it's the second chapter of the book. And it starts off with saying that it is the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. It's the second year of his reign. And chapter 1, though, tells us that Daniel is in a three-year training program. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is the one who brings him into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar puts him in a three-year training program, and now this is the second year, but it appears that Daniel has already finished or, or is at the end of his three-year training program. So I, you don't really need to know this, but it'll help you if you read and study the Bible. There are different ways in which people account for time. Now you and I, when we say three years, we mean three 12-month periods. So next month, we will celebrate two years since we launched weekly services at Cross Church because it's the end of 24 months. But in the Bible, that's not exactly the way in which they account for time. They don't count it and, and make sure that it's 24-hour periods or 12-month uh, time frames for a year and so for a Jew any part of a year counts as a year so if you are born in December that's year one January you're now in your second year because 2021 and now you're in 2022 it's a different year so they don't count it necessarily in these 12 month periods and, and even when the Babylonians and other nations when they would look at the king and the time frame in which you, you judge a king's reign, you have the, uh, the year in which they come to the throne or the accession year. They come to the throne in one year. The next year becomes their first year of their reign. And then their second year, it's really the third year, but they count it as the second year. And this is what we have in Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible tells us specifically in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. 
It's the third part of a third year. He comes to power in 605. It's now 602. And it's not a, so it's three years if you and I are counting, but for him, it's the second year of his reign. And so Daniel has finished it, or right at the end of his three years of time of study and preparation to be a wise man in the kingdom. And so Daniel, when he's approached and, and hears that they're going to kill them because they don't know the dream, he says, well, God can give me not only the interpretation, but he can give me the dream. So the Bible says that Daniel prays and asks God to give him the dream and its interpretation. The text that I read is Daniel's prayer of thanksgiving after God has done that. That God has given him the dream and He has given him the interpretation, but he hasn't gone to Nebuchadnezzar yet, but he offers a prayer of thanksgiving to God and It is from that prayer of thanksgiving that I want to pull out six things or six truths about God. Now keep in mind, sometimes I have three. I may have had as many as eight, but they're not all equal. So if I have six this week and three last week, it doesn't mean I'm going to preach twice as long, okay? So fear not, be not afraid. We shall get out of here at a convenient time. But the first thing I want you to see is this, is that God is worthy of praise. Daniel said this in verse 20, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. He offers this prayer of thanksgiving and says, the first thing that we need to understand about God is He is always worthy of praise. And He's not just worthy of praise in this moment or in a specific moment or when He happens to do something for us, but He is always worthy of praise forever and ever. His name is to be blessed for wisdom and power belong to Him. Aren't you thankful that we have a God who has all power and all wisdom and He has it all the time? That He's not just a sometimes God, but He's an all-time God. That at whatever time frame you and I find ourselves, or whatever situation we find ourselves in, God is worthy of praise, and His power and wisdom is always at work, and it is always available. There is a, a word that people use about the fact that God has all knowledge or all wisdom. It is the word omniscient. Look at your neighbor and say, omniscient. And it actually starts with the word omni, O-M-N-I. You may have seen that. It means all, that God has all knowledge in essence. He is omniscient, that everything belongs to Him when it comes to knowledge and it comes to wisdom. There's a second word that we use in theology about God's power, and it is this, it's that He is omnipotent or omnipotent. Which means He has all power. He is all potent, which means everything belongs to Him. And there is no power outside of Jesus Christ. There is no power outside of our God. That means then, if He's in charge of everything, that we can go to Him at any time, at any moment, and ask Him to meet our needs. And I'm going to close with, with, in a few minutes with the, the fact that we should take our needs to Him. But we can do that because He has all power and He has all knowledge. Now I would tell you that 
A lot of times when I pray, maybe most of the time when I pray, I don't necessarily ask God to demonstrate His power. But there are times that I do. We prayed for people who were sick just a little bit ago. That's a power prayer. God, show your power of healing. Come down and bring healing to those people and draw them to you. Most of the time, though, when I pray, I'm asking God to give me wisdom that I don't have and to give me knowledge that I don't have. And I'm saying, God, I I need to know what to do in this situation. I need to know what to do in that situation. I'm asking Him to tell me and give me information so that I can do what He has already called me to do. The Bible is full of, of God's demonstration of His power and of His omniscience and Because I do have six points, I'm going to hurry. I'm not even going to give you any examples right now. The second thing that Daniel says is this, is that God is in charge of time. It is He who changes the times and the epics. The times and the epics are these, that that the times are the fact that, that God is giving us in this dream that he has given Nebuchadnezzar, he is giving us the, ne- the next 700 years of human history. And then he puts a break in there, and then he gives us the remainder of human history. And I'll explain that in a few minutes, but he has given us the picture of what is going to take place in the world. But he uses, Daniel uses these phrases of times and epics, and, and times refers to the totality of, of human history. That God is in charge of all of human history. That there's nothing that takes place in human history that God is not in control of. But he, he doubles down on this and he says he's in charge of the epics as well. And, and that particular word there, it's, it's about the big events of human history. So that anything important that takes place, God was in charge of that. Now you could say there's bad things that happen and all of that. God could have allowed... He could have stopped those, but he allowed those to take place. Because he is letting man have his free will and run his course. But when God decides to put the brakes on, he stops it. And he slows it down, and he he then allows things to be sped up. He's in charge of it. He is the author of what is going on in our world. And he is not, and this this could beg the question, if he's in charge of all the bad things, that means he's in He's responsible for evil. No, God allows evil. And there is coming a day when He will put a stop to it. But for now, for the most part, God allows us free will and allows us to make a mess of His creation. And the reality is, because He's in charge of the times and the epics, that that He will bring to pass that which He has shown to Nebuchadnezzar. That the dream that he has given to Nebuchadnezzar, it is going to come to fruition. And, and, and I'll just read the first part of the dream as Daniel describes it. Chapter 2, verse 32, he says, The head of the statue, the head of the statue did not make the sound of a train. That's external to us. Should we sing this train is bound for glory right now? making sure y'all are awake the train if the train didn't do it now you're awake but what daniel describes is this giant statue 
that's in multiple parts, that the parts of the statue are in different types of metal. He says the head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its breast and arms were made of silver. Its belly and thighs of bronze. Its legs were of iron. And its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And the description and the, the understanding of these that Daniel gives to Nebuchadnezzar is this. He says, these are the world empires that are going to rule the world for the next few decades, our next few centuries. He says the head of gold, that's, that's you, King Nebuchadnezzar, that's you, Babylon, that's, that's the kingdom of Babylon that's currently ruling the world, and the breast of arms and silver, he said that is the, the nations of the Medes and the Persians who are going to come in, and they're going to take the kingdom from Babylon. And then, the belly of thighs and bronze, it is the nation of Greece, ultimately, that will come in and will take that that world empire away from the Medes and Persians under Alexander the Great. And then the legs of iron are the Roman Empire that will come in and will take away the four kingdoms that were split out of Greece. There's another passage we'll look at later in the book of Daniel that describes this again in a different way. And it talks about the fact that the kingdom of Greece was broken into four different parts, and that's exactly what will happen some 300 years, 330, or actually probably almost 400 years from when Daniel interprets vision. It's that when the nation, when Alexander the Great dies, he then, his kingdom is divided into four different sections, all by four of his main generals. God knows the future. He knows what's going to happen. And he sees the Medes and the Persians, and he, and he sees Greece, and he sees Rome. And he sees that after Rome, the Roman Empire falls, there is what is called the Holy Roman Empire, which is a political and a, a secular mix. That's the, le- that's the feet of iron and clay. He sees that in the future. And so for some thousand years, the Holy Roman Empire, beginning at 800 with Charlemagne and going all the way to 1806, where the Catholic Church is appointing in essence, and sanctioning who, are, who is the leader of this, this conglomerate that is controlled by the church and state. In fact, it's partly because of that that we have the United States of America where we have this division of church and state. It's because of what was taking place for a thousand years in the Holy Roman Empire. But then, what is seen by Daniel is this. A stone that is not cut with hands. It's not made with hands. The Bible doesn't elaborate on what that means. It just means that it's not of human origin. That it's not, the, it's not men that are determining what's going to happen. But this stone that is not made with hands is going to come out of nowhere and it, and it crushes the feet of the statue and destroys the statue and the Bible says, Daniel says that it is going to, God is going to establish a kingdom that will never end. You see, the future belongs to the Lord. God knows the future of human history. He knows what's going to take place from Daniel's time until our time. 
but it's not just going to be what you and I decide, but there is coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to come and He's going to destroy all of human government and He's going to set up a kingdom that has no end. And that you and I, if we're right with Jesus and we have a right relationship with Him, we will be able to live and rule and reign with Him forever. Anybody excited that there's coming a day when we can rule and reign with Jesus Christ forever? That He is in charge of everything. He's in charge of our now. He's in charge of our present. And He's also in charge of our future. The third thing that He says is this. He said, God raises up and takes down leaders. The middle of verse 21, He removes kings and He establishes kings. I referenced this last week, I believe. And the way that that you and I operate most of the time is that if the leader in charge is one we like, then God was responsible. If somebody's in charge that we don't like or they're not godly, then God is not responsible. We don't know what happened. The devil won this round. The Bible says God removes and puts up kings. That He is the one who is responsible for the leaders that are influential in our world. He can take them down at a moment. He can put them up at a moment. The reality is you and I can never figure out really why God does that and how He does that and why He allows certain things. But if we knew all of that, then we'd be God. But we have to put our trust in what we know of Him, and that is that He is in charge of everything, and He is putting in and taking down leaders. Be careful what I say here. Not that anybody's watching on YouTube, but they might. You never know. But if you believe that the election was stolen, then ultimately what you're saying is somebody outfoxed God. People can do whatever they want and God can stop whatever He wants. And if you didn't vote for, for Biden and you think it's stolen then what we, you and I really need to do is go back and determine whether we really believe God is in charge or not. I just heard yesterday some, it's tens of thousands, maybe 84,000, I don't remember what it was, maybe I, of, of votes that didn't get counted in Wisconsin, they just found them. Could have swung the election. And, and, and I will tell you that even if I'm not happy with the election, whether on the national level, level or the local level, if I believe God's in charge, then I'm saying, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand your time frame, but I trust you. And I'm going to say that you're using what's going on around us to further your kingdom and to bring about what you want. We have to believe He's in charge. We do what we vote according to what we think are God's principles and God's ways. 
And if you didn't vote, you need to vote next time you have the opportunity. So we do what we're supposed to do, and then God's going to do what he's supposed to do. And God raises up and takes down leaders. And it's easy for us to lose sight of the fact that he's really in charge of everything. I don't know if you know this, the government's not in charge unless God lets them do stuff. And if I could go a step further, none of this is in my notes, but if I could go a step further, when we read the New Testament, we read it through North American eyes. When Paul says stuff like, submit to the government, it's not a democracy. It's a do what Rome says or else. And he still says do things like that. And it's hard to fathom. But our Chinese brothers and sisters who are facing persecution today, and they can't serve God openly in the way in which the Bible calls, so they have to do it in secret. They're not calling for a revolution. They're obeying the government in every way except that which is against the word of God. And then they follow God. And that's what you and I are to do, regardless of our governmental structure, or regardless of what's going on around us. We follow God, and we trust God that He is in charge of everything. Fourthly, God is the source of wisdom and knowledge. We talked a little bit about that already, the end of chapter, or verse 21. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. The writer of Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That it is an awe and a reverence for God that is the beginning of wisdom. Now I want you to understand God is not sitting around waiting on you to make a mistake so He can judge you. He's not just waiting on you to mess up so he can squash you. That's not the God we serve. But I would tell you that not only should we have an, an awe and a reverence for God, but there should be a fear as you would understand fear. Because there is coming a day when he will judge sin. And that I need to live in a way that's righteous and holy because I have an awe and a reverence for Him, but also because I want to be in right relationship with Him, and I don't want to be on that day of judgment on the wrong side of the ledger. But it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and it says that He gives wisdom to the wise. Knowledge to men of understanding. It is, it is not that God is just giving human wisdom to people, and that you can go to school and you can learn wisdom and get knowledge. These are things that only God knows and only God can give. He is the source of true wisdom. He is the source of true understanding. Fifthly, God is the source of all truth. Verse 22 says, It is He who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with Him. 
that there is nothing the Bible says that is hidden from God. In fact, when he's speaking of, of the things and the deeds that men do, he says that which is done in darkness will be brought into the light and that which is in secret will be shouted from the, the rooftops. That you can't hide from God. He knows all things. And our text extrapolates on that with the fact that, that God is the source of this dream that Nebuchadnezzar have and has and nobody can know it except for God. And so God gives that and He shouts, He makes it known to Daniel and you and I see it play out in human history and have assurance that there is coming a day when we will live with Him forever. And then lastly, God answers prayer. Verse 23, Daniel says this, To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. But Daniel didn't just sit around and ponder what Nebuchadnezzar might have dreamed and decide to make up something, but he asked God to reveal it to him. And God indeed answered his prayer. That he is a God who answered prayer then, but he's also a God who answers prayer now. That when we go into the scripture and we see God answering prayer, we see it in every book of the Bible and Every main story, we see God answering prayer. Sometimes we, we can look at that and celebrate what He did then. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that if He was a prayer-answering God then, He is a prayer-answering God now. He is a prayer-answering God today. And He is a God that not only answers big needs, but He answers small needs. And He he meets whatever it is that you and I have. We can take it to God and He will answer. So it is that point that really I am wanting to drive home today. It's that The future belongs to the Lord. Not just the future as it relates to human history. Not just to Daniel's future and Nebuchadnezzar's future. But my future and your future belong to the Lord. That He knows what tomorrow holds. And that if we have a need today, God can meet that need today to assure our future tomorrow. He is a God who is in charge of everything. He is worthy of praise. He's in charge of time. He raises up and takes down leaders. He is the source of wisdom, knowledge. He is the source of all truth. And He is the God who answers prayer. reality is that Nebuchadnezzar didn't know to ask God for for help. 
He didn't know that he could go to God and ask Him for an answer. He didn't know that he could go and say, Lord, what is it that you want to do? Or what is it that you have showed me in this dream? And the reason he didn't know to ask God was because he didn't belong to God. He wasn't a follower of Yahweh. He wasn't a follower of God. He had no idea that God could speak to him and God could tell him what he had dreamed and that God could interpret that. That you and I know who Jesus is. And that whatever we need from Him, we can go to Him and ask. And He can answer and meet our needs. Let's stand together. You know, many people in our culture, they they want to submit their future to the Lord. They want God to, to save them. They want God to take them to heaven in the future. But what they don't want to do is give God their present. They don't want God to interfere with what they're doing in the moment and how they want to live in the present. They just want God just to give them a great future with Him. The reality is this, is that there is no future with God without a present with Him. But what you and I do today determines our future. That what you and I choose to do and how we choose to, to live for Him determines our future. So my prayer today is this. It's that you and I would give Him our present today. That we would commit today to following Him, to serving Him, to being everything that He wants us to be so that we have an assurity of a future with Him. Anybody wanted a, wanted a glorious future with Jesus Christ, would you lift your hand, your voice right now, would you talk to the Lord, ask Him to be at work in you. Jesus, we love You. God, we praise and adore You. God, we want You to be at work in us. God, we want to know You. We want to follow You. We want to serve You, Jesus. God, we want to give You all of our present today so that you will give us a future with you, Jesus. God, we magnify your name. We magnify your name. We magnify your name. We magnify you, Jesus.